Hello, my lovely listeners. I'm Dr. Mary Barson. And I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. Welcome to this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. Hi, Dr. Lucy. How are you today? I am awesome, Mares. Such a great day ahead. I cannot wait to get started on it. What about you? What are you up to? I'm going to give myself the gift of rest today. I'm going to take it easy after this. Wonderful. Wonderful. So uh, last week we discussed our New Year's resolutions and we talked about the idea that a resolution is different to a wish or a want and that you need some intention and some planning. And today I thought we'll talk a little bit about habits because everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people say, I just don't, I need better habits. I need more healthy habits. And so I thought, well, let's talk about what is a habit and how do we get a habit? You know, it'd be nice if you could just go and buy a habit. Oh, I'm just buying, I'm just buying my meditation habit today. Great, done. So the idea is a habit is really just an automatic action. It's something that we do habitually. And some habits are helpful to our health and some habits are unhelpful. So we would like to cultivate helpful habits and then let go of unhelpful habits. It's the way I like to look at it. It's not that anything's good or bad. Often a habit was formed when it was a tool that was useful for something at that particular time in your life, but no longer has any use. So we need to let it go. And to let go of an unhelpful habit requires some intention. A habit really starts with a thought. So a thought, as we all know, is a connection between two nerve cells in your brain. And we can have habitual thoughts, which are where these connections are really deep-seated, and they can be quite helpful or quite unhelpful. And an action is a habit is an action, which is exactly the same connection between two nerve cells that result in a particular behavior. So the most obvious habit that the majority of people do really without thinking is brushing your teeth. We tend to brush our teeth most days and most people do it twice a day. And when you go to brush your teeth, it just happens. Half the time, people can't even remember if they've brushed their teeth. It's that automatic. They just put the toothpaste on, brush their teeth, rinse their mouth and go. And it's only when you kind of do this, have I brushed my teeth? That you actually are more conscious about the idea. So the reason that brushing your teeth is so relatively easy is because you do it all the time because your parents made you when you were little and you didn't want to. Your parents said, no, you're going to brush your teeth. And so it became a well-worn path. And because it's a well-worn path, we don't have any discussion with ourselves about brushing your teeth. You just go and do it. You don't bargain. You don't say to yourself, I'm just going to brush the top half tonight. Or I think I'm just going to brush one tooth. You don't have any discussions like that. You just get in there, brush your teeth and go. Sometimes it might be two minutes. Every now and then you might do a quick one that's one minute. But again, there's no berating. There's no discussion. You just get in there and brush your teeth. If you miss brushing your teeth for one day, you don't berate yourself about it. You just crack on and make sure you brush your teeth later. You notice that they're a bit furry and you think, oh, don't think I brushed my teeth. So that's an automatic helpful habit of toothbrushing. 
usually when we're brushing our teeth, we don't even think about the idea that we're doing this because we don't want to get cavities in the future and we don't want to get, you know, our teeth all rotting out. We just actually do it because it's automatic, subconscious, we don't think about it. At the start, though, remember, when you're a kid, it was really hard. You didn't want to do it. There was a lot of resistance. And your parents said, you've got to brush your teeth. The teeth will fall out. You'll go to the dentist. You'll have to get the drill. There was all these sort of positive and negative reinforcement. If you don't brush your teeth, you'll have to have a feeling. If you do brush your teeth, you'll have beautiful, shiny, healthy teeth. So you can see there's carrot and stick there. As adults, we have this idea that we should be able to form a habit as soon as we decide we're going to do it. And if we don't, well, then we're not very good or we're just hopeless. Clearly, it took years of childhood cajoling to form the brushing teeth habit. As an adult, it still takes a bit of cajoling by ourselves, since our parents are no longer bossing us around as adults, hopefully. Uh, So self-cajoling to get into a healthy habit or to let one go. So, Mares, I don't know what you've found trying to develop some habits. Have you had things that you've attempted, started, got going, really intentional, and then have either kept going or fallen off the wagon with? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Lots of things. A good example for me is exercise. These days I've got the food habit is really, really deeply ingrained, the meditation habit is deeply ingrained but I still stumble with exercise and I know that it's really really good for my body and my mind and that I feel better when I do it but I am still honestly still struggling to instill a daily habit of exercise and I can set the intention but sometimes I can forget and I have found that because I do like to be intentional about my health and weight loss, that the things that help me the most to do this habit of exercise, and I want to do like three lots of some good cardio, you know, go for a walk and a jog at least three times a week, is using triggers. So putting my shoes out, my running shoes, putting them by the front door. So when I get up in the morning and let the dog out for a wee, I see them and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I won't just let the dog out for a wee. I will take the dog for a nice brisk walk as well. And the other thing is outsourcing accountability to a friend or a group. So when I join like a a group exercise program that involves commitment and involves me having to show up because other people are expecting me to do it, then I'm much more likely to do it. That's a helpful way for me to get a new habit. But I'm still developing this one. I have spoken about this before, but we went, when my daughter was little, we had a little white pony and she was quite naughty, this pony, and a little bit, you know, you don't want your child on a naughty pony. So we took this naughty pony off to a horse trainer called Dan Maloney. And he, seriously, it was like parenting 101, but for horses. And he used to have this saying, make the right thing easy, make the wrong thing hard. And I've sort of readapted that for habits, make the helpful habit easy and make the unhelpful habit hard. So the cue or trigger to do your habit is definitely making it easy. So one of the things when I used to do morning exercise, now, you know, disclaimer here is that I I no longer do a lot of exercise because I have muscular dystrophy and can't really do intentional sort of exercise anymore. But for a long time I did. And I would 
I would basically get my clothes ready the night before and they would be right next to the toilet. So when I woke up in the morning, went to the loo, there were my exercise clothes ready. So basically it was like, as I'm still half asleep, I'm getting dressed. So I'm already got my clothes on and my shoes on. So that meant the next step was to walk out the door. So I'd already removed one of those barriers of, oh, I can't find my runners or I haven't got my clothes ready or I can't find my t-shirt or whatever it was that your brain might offer up. So making that right thing or that helpful habit, make it really easy and easy to do. And I think an example of making an unhelpful habit hard is things like if you decide you don't want to eat chocolate anymore, or you want to reduce it, or whatever your intention is, again, you know, it's up to you to decide, then the key is to not have 10 bars of chocolate, you know, in your cupboard. Because every time you open the door, there it is looking at you. It's so easy to eat it. So if you don't buy it, yes, I know, you can go and drive in your car and go out there and get it, but it puts that extra barrier in. It makes it harder to do. So other examples of that sort of thing would be if you've decided that you don't want to lie awake scrolling on your phone every night before you go to sleep is that you get, because people, this is what people will say, oh, no, I need my phone because it's my alarm clock. I reckon I'd be rich if I had a dollar for every time I'd heard that. And it's a reasonable thing to say because I'd certainly use that, my phone for my alarm clock. But you could go and buy an alarm clock and, charge your phone out in the kitchen, that would mean scrolling mindlessly in the night before you go to sleep would be quite a bit harder (laughs) since you wouldn't actually be lying in bed doing it. So that's another example of making an unhelpful thing more difficult. Have you got any others, Mez? Yes. uh, The absolute classic one for making an unhelpful habit harder is to not buy chips, chocolates, lollies, processed high-carb inflammatory foods and to not bring them into your house. But studies have shown that we've only got so much mental energy to make decisions. And, you know, once we've used it all up, we enter decision fatigue. And I don't know about you, Lucy, but, you know, at work I make a lot of decisions, lots and lots. And then by the time the end of the day rolls around, my brain is pretty tired and I don't want to make a whole lot of more decisions. And if there was tempting high carb sugary food just there in my house, it would be pretty easy to eat it. So not having it there makes the good thing easy and the bad thing hard. Correct. I have a great tip for people that perhaps buy food at petrol stations because that used to be one of my guilty things. I would be driving home and think, right, I want some chocolate. I'd go into the petrol station, you know, on the guise that I might need petrol and go and buy five blocks of chocolate because it was on special, even if I didn't like that flavour, it was cheap, so I bought it. And so this idea that there was a link then between a petrol station and some chocolate became quite strong in my brain, which meant every single time I was going to a petrol station and I'd walk in to pay, my brain is going, what about the chocolate? We always get the chocolate. It's like a, it's like having a naughty kid that, well, not even a naughty kid, just having a toddler that goes, yeah, I want, I want, I want. Oh, so you're having to then resist, resist, resist this voice in your head going, come on, just one bit, one block won't hurt. You're tired, you deserve it. 
So I now go, there are certain petrol stations and in Victoria, it's the Caltex ones that you can pay at the pump. So I have an app, there's an app on your phone and it will tell you which service stations you can pay at the pump and you basically just pay, click on the link on your on your app and go. I don't have to go into that petrol station. I don't have to be bombarded by the chips, the chocolate, the shiny, or the man or girl at the counter going, oh, we have chomps on special this week. You can buy four for 10 cents. And I go, oh. <laughs> so I love that idea, Mads, that you just said of um, decision fatigue. I kind of look at it. I have this idea that we have like a little bucket of willpower and it, it runs out. And there are things that will contribute to it running out, including having to resist multiple, multiple times when you're starting. I mean, it now it's, it's now a different habit for me. I can now go into this petrol station and pay and it's not such a challenge. But certainly at the start, when my old habit of buying food at the petrol station was very strong, I needed to make that as hard as possible for me to do. Absolutely perfect. And it is right. We, we do have just so much mental energy, so much willpower. It is a finite resource that at the end of the day or if we're stressed, if we're tired, it can be quite drained. And that is when we are at risk of internally just giving up and taking the path of least resistance rather than sticking to our goal. And so if you make the path of least resistance sticking to your goal, then you are going to win. Absolutely. You make the right thing easy, the wrong thing hard. Thank you, Dan Maloney, for that lesson in life. It has stuck with me for years. So, peeps, this week I would love you to be starting to have a think, right, what are the things that I am vulnerable with? You know, and it might be, like, again, my one is still I am very mindful of the fact that my brain will often tell me a glass of wine. Now, don't get me wrong, I am very happy to have a glass of wine from time to time. What my resolution is, though, is that I'm only going to have wine in company. So with friends, the company doesn't include my husband since he's home all the time. That would <laughs> that would be a little trick. But sometimes my brain says, oh, come on, let's have a glass of wine. You've had a very busy day. You've done so much. The glass of wine can either be, wow, you've done so much. You deserve a rest and a little celebration. Or the glass of wine can be, oh, my God, you've worked so hard. You deserve to sit down and have a rest. So I am working hard on that intention. So what I've done is put away all wine glasses because what happens is my brain sees a wine glass and goes, oh, how exciting. And so if it doesn't see the wine glass, it doesn't start down that path. So I definitely think that making triggers, cues, things that remind you of your habit, try and make them as invisible as possible for the ones that you want to let go of and make the habits that you want to start, make those triggers as obvious as possible. Put your shoes in your bed if you have to. Wear your leotard. I'm not saying wear your leotard to bed, but, you know, have them all ready and ready to go. That's perfect. And next week we'll go into more detail about how you can use the triggers to help make good habits and break bad habits and why they are so useful to just take out the mental effort of staying on track. Wonderful, Mares. All right, darling. Well, I have to run off and go and enjoy a bit of sunshine, but um, I will see you next week. 
I'm going to go and also just lay down and have a bit of a rest today. See you later. Wonderful. Bye, darling. See you. So, my lovely listeners, that ends this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. And I'm Dr. Mary Barson. We're from Real Life Medicine. To contact us, please visit rlmedicine.com. And until next time, thanks thanks for for listening. listening.